Jonah chapter 1. So we are in 2020 and we're looking at explore the word. And uh, I, I'm exploring the word. I'm trying to explore some of the characters that uh, God has used um, for his work and how we can learn from them. Tonight I want to look at Jonah, uh, this character Jonah, familiar character that, uh, you, you know, one of those those heroes that you hear about in uh, Sunday school, those stories that uh, you hear about, we were asking Simon, he was telling us about Jonah. And, uh, you know, someone saying that, they can tell you about Jonah. And Jonah, he was a contemporary of Hosea and Amos. He was serving around the same time as them. And uh, the unfortunate thing about uh, sometimes when you are um, you're studying uh, books and things like that, uh, or certain Christians, certain believers will question the the authentic, um, how authentic some of the stories are in the Bible. Was it an actual real situation? And we know we take God's word. Uh, we know it's truth. We know it's from God. And um, we look in the New Testament, we see even Jesus referred to uh, Jonah. And he talks about how uh, he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the whale and how that was a picture of Jesus' uh, death, burial, and resurrection. And um, we see this, this prophet of Jonah and... Um, it's kind of different because when you look at the scriptures, you kind of stereotype different characters and you say, okay, this is how they're going to react. This is how they're going to respond based on who they are. So you take a book like Jonah and you kind of say, well, you assume that the prophet of God, he's going to make all the right choices. He's going to have the best attitude. And then you come across people like the sailors in the story and you're like, they're sailors. They're going to respond horribly. And those people of Nineveh, just look at how wicked they are. They're going to respond terribly. But you read Jonah, and it kind of goes the opposite of what you're expecting, the way it's you expect it to go. And um, so we see these people, they react differently than how we would expect in the given circumstances. And we see this prophet Jonah and his um, his emotions run wild in this story. And he's up and down, and he's all over the place. And uh, he gets upset, and uh, we know that later on in the in the story, as he gets upset at God for what he has done. But we're going to look at that uh, this evening. You know, sometimes we're quick to judge uh, pe- people in the Bible, characters in the Bible, and we say, "Well, if we were there, we would have done it differently." <laughs> but we there's so many things that could be similar in our lives that Jonah went through, and different attitudes that he had that we need to be careful of in our life. As well, that we're not going to have a wrong attitude towards um, people that God wants to reach. Uh, the wrong attitude towards God's mercy to to um, people who need to be saved. So tonight we're going to start in Jonah chapter 1. And we're going to read the first chapter. Uh, it's 17 verses, I believe. And uh, we're going to look at the life of Jonah. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. And he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth their wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. 
If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord and the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not. For the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, O Lord hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast them forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So we're going to break down this passage of Scripture and look at uh, this the beginning part of Jonah's life. So we see in verses 1 to 2, we see uh, Jonah's call from God. He's called. He's a prophet, and God's telling him what he needs to do. It says, Now the word of the Lord came unto, the, unto uh, Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So we see this prophet, and, and the Lord says to him, Arise, arise, Jonah. So this is an immediate, you know, you need to take care of this now. This isn't something that you're going to take care of later. He's telling him, get up now and do this. You know, this, you need to prepare. You need to drop what you're doing and go and do this task. Uh, this reminded me when I was uh, studying this about the disciples when they left their nets. When Jesus went and saw them in their nets, what were they doing? They were mending their nets and they left their nets there. They left their livelihood and they, they, they needed to rely upon God. And here Jonah is his prophet and uh, he knows what his job is and what he's supposed to be doing. And here the word of the Lord comes upon him and he receives his mission. And the, and the Lord says unto him, arise, go. But he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to rely upon the Lord. And it says, go to Nineveh, that great city. So you picture a great city. It's not talking about, um, its values or anything about that, but, uh, the, the size of the city, the power that it had in that day, you know, um, the, the military power that it had. It was a great city. So if you picture a city like New York or uh, some other big city, Jonah here, he's picturing this great city of Nineveh. We knew it was a large uh, a city. It was great power. It was the capital of the empire of Assyria. And this wasn't a great place to go, especially as the prophet of the Lord. You know, to go to go to this land that has utterly rejected God and to preach against them. Jonah, he he heard Nineveh and it was immediately red flags. It'd be like us getting word to go to somewhere in the Middle East 
today and God saying, go there to preach in the streets of me. And Jonah had the same, that same feeling when he, he hears the word of the Lord come to him and say, go to Nineveh, this great city. You know, it was an unwelcoming place, somewhere that you wouldn't feel comfortable going. The sin that was there, the perversion that was in the city, they were known for the brutality, and we t- we'll talk about that in a few moments. But it was, it was a large city. It said it was a great city. So it wasn't going to be like Jonah just uh, going there and preaching quickly. It says that to just walk the span of the city would take three days. That's how big the city was. And he was going to have to go into the city, go into the inner parts of the city and preach God's message to them. But here, Jonah, he's already pushing the brakes on this as soon as he hears it. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. That's the idea of heralding heralding or proclaiming. You know, you picture that town crier from uh, the olden days, and they'd go out with that bell and ring the bell and make the announcement to the town. It's that same idea of going out. You're making a noise. You know, you're not just going and just, you know, just kind of sharing the gospel with a couple people. You're going out and broadcasting. You're going to be seen. You're going to be heard. Uh, you're going to get attention. You're going to cause a stir in the city. People are going to say, do you hear this guy who, who who's coming here and he's preaching against us? You know, you're not just going to stand at the gate. You're going to have to walk into this great city and you're going to be preaching against their sin. You're going to be preaching against the perversion, the brutality of the city and about their imminent destruction if they don't turn and repent and turn to God. They, he was commanded to cry against it. And the verse goes on to say, For their wickedness has come up before me. You know, God God is long-suffering, amen? He's, he's merciful towards us. But there comes a point where his judgment is coming. And he says, he uses this, um, this phrase, their wickedness has come up before me. You know, I've come to the end of my long suffering, coming to the end of my patience. You know, their, their many and great sins, um, are, 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 are being too much now and, and my judgment needs to come. Uh, similar, uh, phrases were used in Genesis 4 verse 10, uh, speaking of Cain's sin when he had slain Abel. Uh, Genesis 4.10, it says, And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And uh, a similar phrase is used in Genesis 18.20, speaking of uh, Sodom uh, and Gomorrah's sin. Genesis 18, verse 20 to 21, it says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which has come unto me, and if not, I will know. So here's Jonah, this prophet, and, you know, God is going to use this man. You know, God's willing to use any one of us here tonight if we let him. Uh, we, we, we spoke about this in Sunday school the last couple of weeks, and we were talking about uh, we were speaking about the life of Jesus. We talked about John the Baptist. And we were talking about him choosing his disciples. And we look at the people that Jesus chose to follow him. You know, John the Baptist, he lived in the wilderness. He wore camel skin. He ate locusts and honey. And God used him. You know, the disciples, they were working men. They were fishermen. They worked hard. They worked with their hands. They were rough and gruff people. But God was able to use them. But... Just because God calls these people 
it's not enough to always keep their eyes upon him. You know, we, we often look at some of these men and, you know, say, just think it, they're in auto drive. Like, okay, let's do this, autopilot. But here we see Jonah, this prophet, and yet still he's struggling with this mission that God has given him, this call that he has upon his life. And he's struggling, like many of us would struggle maybe if we have a calling that God has put on our life and saying, you need to do this. And we see here that he struggled, and we know very quickly in this passage that Jonah was not going to obey. You know, we're three verses in, and Jonah's running already. You know, he's hightailing it the opposite direction of Nineveh. And we, we hold some of these men of God, these prophets on pedestals, and here we get a glimpse into the humanity of, of these people. They're just like us. They weren't uh, special in any way. They were, they were chosen by God to be used um, for God to work through them, but they still needed to yield themselves to God for, uh, for him to work through them. You know, this divine call upon their life could still be resisted. They weren't superhumans. But the, these men had to determine that they were going to obey the mission of God upon their life, the task that God had for them. So each of us, when we, we read the scriptures, we hear preaching, we're studying, and God is speaking to us and he says, you need to do this in your life. No matter what it is, we need to do it. You know, maybe, maybe God's not calling you to go to your Nineveh, but he's calling you to obey him. Maybe he's calling you to tell your coworkers, to tell your boss about Jesus Christ. Maybe God's telling you, you, need, you really need to work on that relationship and forgive that person. You know, maybe you just need to have a better testimony, the way you're living your life. You know, we have the word of God. Just like Jonah here, the, the word of the Lord came unto him. We have the word of God. And we hear it preached from, we, we, we study from it, we ought to be reading from it on a daily basis, hearing from God. But what are you doing with what you're hearing from the word? You know, what is God showing in your life saying, you need to do this. You need to work on this. You need to go out. You need to drop what you're doing and go and do this. You need to prepare for this task I've had set out for you. It needs immediate action. So we see this uh, Jonah's call from God. But then immediately in verse number three, we see Jonah runs from God. Jonah runs from God. Verse number three, but Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I don't know if it's just me, but when I read that verse, I kind of chuckle. I'm just, I'm picturing Jonah literally like just hearing this and him booking it. He says he, he fled. He was running and he was running from God. He was going to do anything to try to get away from the presence of God. Well, why did he run? Why was he running? You know, he's a prophet. He knows he's supposed to be, uh, um, the tasks he's supposed to be fulfilling for the Lord. And yet still he gets the word of the Lord and he rises up and he runs. He flees. Was the task too great for him? You know, how, how would I, how am I going to accomplish what God has called me to? This job that he's called me to, this great city where they are known for the brutality. How am I going to go? How am I going to even make the journey? Was it a task that was too big for him? Was it the wickedness of the people was too great? Was it that they weren't the people of God? You know, why, God, why are you showing people mercy to these, to these Gentiles? They're not even your chosen people. Maybe he was prejudiced in that way and saying, 
really? Why? Was it because he wanted to see them destroyed? I believe it, it could have been a lot of that. In Jonah uh, chapter 3, as you move on in the passage, and we see that Nineveh, when they actually repent and they, they, they turn to God, in Jonah 3 verse 10 it says, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that, the, that he would do unto them, and he did it not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. He was upset to see that these people, they actually listened to his preaching. You know, the preacher's worst nightmare is when you have to preach and no one has a, a care in the world for what you said. But here he is, he preaches this revival in Nineveh and this city turns to God and he's exceedingly upset. Why is that? Because he wanted to see the judgment upon these people. He didn't want to see God's mercy extended to uh, them. You know, they were known for their brutality that day and their attack on, on the northern kingdom. And it makes you wonder, maybe Jonah had seen some of the brutalities of, of, of these people of Assyria. Maybe he had firsthand witnessed the atrocities. You know, these people were known for their cruelty. There was actually um, monuments that they had raised up with quotes on them of their brutality just to just to honor their brutality, to have it marked down in history. They wanted to be known for it. These are some of the these are some of the inscriptions that were found. I cut off their heads and formed them into pillars. Um, Bubo, son of Bubba, uh, I flayed in the city of uh, Arbella and I spread his skin upon the city wall. I flayed all the chief men who have revolted, and I covered the pillar with their skins. Uh, another one. Many within the border of my own land, I flayed and spread their skins upon the wall. I cut off the limbs of the officers, the royal officers who had rebelled. Uh, Three thousand captives I burned with fire. Their corpse I formed into pillars. From sun I cut off their hands and their fingers, and from the other I cut off their noses, their ears, and their fingers. Of many I put out their eyes. I made one pillar of the living and another of heads. I bound their heads to posts round about the city. They were known for their their atrocious crimes against humanity, their brutality, and they wanted to be known for it. And here, the bottom line is, God was showing mercy towards these people. Isn't that amazing? You know, we read about the mercy of God, and sometimes we, we don't really grasp God's mercy for us. And here's just a glimpse into the heart of God where he's saying, Jonah, I want you to go to these people who are killing my chosen people, who are committing these crimes, and I I want to extend my mercy to them as well. But I need you to go and preach to them. I'm giving them a last chance to turn to me. You know, how amazing is that mercy? So when we read in in scriptures that his mercies are new towards us every, every morning, how amazing are those mercies? If his mercies will extend to these people, we have those same mercies in our life. But God here, he wants those around us saved. And God wants those who have turned their, to other gods to be saved. You know, the people that maybe we, we don't want to approach and we're just like, well, they, they have their own thing. They're not going to listen to us anyways. You know, they're condemning us for what we're learning. Is God showing his mercy towards those people as well? He is. And He wants us to reach them. He wants us to extend His mercy to them so that they can hear the truth of the gospel message. 
And here in this passage, we see that uh, just a small glimpse of that mercy that he was showing to the people of Nineveh. So we see that he ran. Immediately he runs. And in verse number 3, we see that he flees to a place called Tarshish. And at where, from where Jonah was, he was supposed to be running uh, north northeast up to Nineveh. And he actually runs in the total opposite direction. So instead of going north, he actually goes south to Joppa. And he's doing a long trek. And he goes to Joppa, which is this uh, uh, border town on, on the water where there's going to be ships that he can catch. So he had he had thought this out. He knew, okay, if I'm going to try to run from God, I'm going to go in the complete opposite direction from him. So Nineveh was about 700 miles east of Israel, while Tarshish it was 2,000 miles west of Israel. Um, it's believed to be south of Spain. So if you can imagine where they are on that coastline, having to cross the Mediterranean Sea all the way to get over to where Spain is, this is where Jonah was trying to flee to. He was fleeing from God. He was running. Opposite direction. And he gets to he gets to uh, Joppa and says, and he found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it. So luck, luckily for him, he finds the ship there going that far and he pays the fare. So I know many of you, you travel. It costs a lot to travel. You know, just even within our own country, to fly from here to B.C. or to fly out east, it costs you a lot. Let alone if you're traveling uh, across the ocean to somewhere else. It's a, a lot of money. So in those days, to travel, it was the same thing. It cost a lot of money. So for him to get on a ship, uh, to travel to somewhere like Tarshish, to get on board and to pay his fare, he was dishing out a lot of money. Uh, I had read, I've read previously before, I couldn't find, uh, find it quoted again, but someone had guessed it, it could have cost a year's savings for someone to pay that fare. So he was, he was full in. He was 100% running from God. You know, this prophet, who do you think would be going and doing what God has for him? He's running and doing everything in his power to run from God. And he gets on this, on this ship and, and, and he tries to leave the presence of God, leaving God's people, leaving God's land. And he's literally in those days, he was running to the end of the world. That's as far as they were traveling. They weren't going outside of that realm. So as far as he knew, he was leaving the presence of God. And we look at that and we laugh and we say, that's so foolish. You know, we read about Adam and Eve and say, what do you mean they're hiding from God? You know, they were walking in the garden with him and they're trying to hide from his presence. Yet still in our lives, when we're, we start living our lives and, you know, we're, we're hearing the preaching of God's word and we're reading it and the word of God is telling us to do things and so often we live like we're not even in the presence of God. And we just try to do things and just pretend, well, we just try to push God from our mind and say, well, he's not going to see this. You know, I'm not going to be worried about what God sees about that. But yet still, we're always in the presence of God no matter what. No matter if we're pushing Him out from our minds and pushing Him out from our life and pushing Him out from our schedule and our agenda, we're always in the presence of God. Yet still, why is it that we don't live like we're in the presence of God? You know, we need to be careful as Christians, as believers, that we're always living with the knowledge that we are in the presence of God. 
So Jonah, he, he tries to escape the Tarshish, and we see that God sends this great wind in verse number four. But the Lord got, the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. So here, Jonah's in the bottom of the ship, and the sea is about the, I mean, the ship's about to break. And so if you can imagine a bunch of sailors, who their job is to carry wares across the Mediterranean seas. So these are literally people, their job is to cross one end of the known world to the other end of the known world. They were, they were experienced sailors. But we see the storm comes, and the, in verse number 5 it says, the, the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. You know, they weren't, they weren't calm and collected. They were crying unto their gods. Jonah's fast asleep. He's running from God and he doesn't care. He doesn't even realize he's so far turned from God that he doesn't even see the storm that God has put in his life. And yet still it's affecting all those around him. It's put this crew at risk. You know, their life is at risk. Their livelihood is, is at risk. This ship that they have, you know, in those days, if you lost a ship, you're out of luck. They lost their wares, so they're trying to travel. So even if they're the get to their destination, they've lost all the wares in their ship. And this storm has affected those around him. So in our lives, as God is telling us to do things in our lives and we're living our lives, if we're running from God and God is putting storms in our lives, it could be affecting those around us. If we're so far turned from God, it could get to the place where we don't even realize the storm that God's putting in our lives. And we ignore it and say that, you know, you start chalking it up to other things. But God is trying to get a hold of our life, just like he's trying to get a hold of Jonah's life. So we see these people, they, they come looking for Jonah, and, he, and they, they tell him to start calling upon his God and ask him what he's doing. Oh, sleeper, arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they start asking Jonah about himself. You know, where are you from? Where are you going? What What's going on here? And he tells them, What's happening? And you think at this moment in Jonah's life, he would come to a point where he's going, wow, this storm, this storm is here for me because I'm running from him. Maybe I, I shouldn't have done this. And you think, you look at these sailors, and we talked about that. These sailors, and we, they have the reputation of, you know, being heathens. These people were praying to other gods. But the, they even had the sense to pray. And here Jonah is the prophet of God the prophet of the true God, and he won't even pray to God. What was his choice? Instead of praying to God, he said, if you throw me overboard, this will all end. And, you know, oftentimes we look at that, I used to look at that as a noble thing. You're like, good for you, Jonah. You're, you're, you're trying to take care of those guys. You're trying to make amends with God. You're trying to make things right. But you know what Jonah was really doing? He didn't pray to God. He didn't say, God, forgive me for what I've done. He would rather end his life than turn back to God. That's how hard he was running from God, that he was saying, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna rather end my life. I'd rather lose all that money I spent to get, run from God, or, you know, just end it all. Just throw me into the water. And here these sailors are, and they're upset about this. They're, they're trying to save the ship. And even when he says this, there, they, uh, in uh, verse number, uh, verse number 14, 
It says that they, sorry, I'm lost here. Um, verse number 13, it says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land. So even after Jonah has given this request to throw him overboard, they tried again. They're saying, no, we don't, they, we don't want to throw you overboard. And here, here's Jonah, this prophet of God. They're in this predicament because of him. Their, their livelihood is about to be lost. Their lives are about to be lost. And yet still, they're the ones showing mercy to Jonah. They're saying, you know, hold on. Let, let's, let's try to, let's try to get a control of the ship because we don't, we don't want to do that. We don't want to throw you overboard. You know, they were being very gracious towards Jonah, this man who's almost costing them their lives. We see eventually they, they do, they throw Jonah overboard. And we see that these, these, these sailors who are praying to other gods, they recognize God. They saw Jonah, the prophet of God, running from him in, and they, they, they realized that he was running from the true God. Yet still they had this dependence and that they realized there was a need to pray. And we see that they turned to God, to God. And that they made sacrifice to them. You know, these unbelievers, they, they showed better traits than Jonah should have been showing in that moment. You know, in our lives, as believers, as we go to school, we go to work, and people look at our lives. And they know we're Christians. You know, maybe we talk about church a bit, they, they just know that we're Christians. We shouldn't be in a place in our life where they're looking at our life saying, shouldn't you be doing that? Shouldn't you be praying? Shouldn't you be the one that's encouraging me? Shouldn't you be the one coming in on Monday that's happy and not grumpy like the rest of us because we're all hungover and you just came from church yesterday? We should be the ones influencing them. But here's Jonah. He'd rather run from God. He'd rather die and be thrown into the water. And we're going to continue on in this passage next Sunday night. But we see at the end of this passage, as he's thrown into the water, God's provided this fish. He says, I'm not done with you, Jonah. You're not going to be able to end it here. But he's going to swallow Jonah up with that great fish. And we see once again the stubbornness of Jonah as he sits in his belly of the great fish for three days and three nights before attempting to God, attempting to talk to God. So just on a final note in our lives, don't get to a point where Jonah was where he was so used to this running from God and, and being content, not being in the will of God that he would rather sit in the belly of a fish for three days. You know, I can't imagine the stench that he's sitting with. But the same is true in our lives as believers. As, as, as we run from God, as we turn away from God, as we try to live like we're not even in the presence of God, and the sense of sin is all around us, we start getting used to it. We start getting okay with the fact that we've pushed God out of the, our minds, and we, we've, we've pushed away from what He has for us. And sin's all around us, and we're, we're used to it, and we're saying, it's okay, I'll, I can get used to this, it's no problem. You know, it starts with a small step, but not long until the world no longer faces us and we're in the midst of it. Just like Lot, when he pitched his tent towards Sodom, and then he worked the gates, and eventually he loses his family to the city. We need to be careful. You know, I'm not, I'm not 
imagining a bunch of us going out tomorrow and just living a total wicked life. But it starts somewhere where we take a small step and maybe we just say, mm, it's okay to do this. It's okay to not read my Bible. It's okay to not witness to this person. It's okay to watch the show. It's not that bad. It's okay to do this, do that, whatever it is. You insert whatever the struggle is and you say, oh, it's okay. We start to push ourselves, push our minds away from the presence of God and say, uh, this, is God really paying attention to me? But it starts somewhere. Psalm 1 verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You know, there's a progression that happens. You know, are you so deep in a storm in your life that you don't even notice God trying to get your attention? That's where Jonah was. But it all started with him trying to leave the presence of God. But as we we continue looking at this, and as we uh, look at this again next Sunday night, as we move into the rest of the, the the passage, we see that God pursues. God was pursuing Jonah. As Jonah is running from God, God's still showing his mercy to him. He's extending his mercy. He's saying, no, I'm going to use you. And he provided that great fish for him. And we see he's going to continue to pursue Jonah. And he does that because he loves him. You know, if... You have a child and your child's running into danger. What do you do? You run behind your child because you're going to protect them no matter what they're running into. You want to save them. And sometimes in our lives we think we know better than God and we try to do things our own way. We try to run from God, do our own things, pursue our own goals. And here Jonah, he, he thinks Nineveh is the end of the world. He's saying, no way, I'd rather die than go to Nineveh and go to Tarshish. But we see that Going to Nineveh was going to be it's the only thing that he was going to be able to do to live, to, to survive, to be in God's will. So sometimes in our lives we may think, I know better than God, I can do my own thing. We, didn't make, we need to make sure that we're staying in the presence of a God and realizing that where he's sending us is going to be better than anywhere that we're going. So where are you tonight? I hope as you know, we explore the word this year, we really focus about digging into the Word. And as we hear preaching, we, we hear teaching, and as, as we encourage you to be in God's Word on a daily basis, and God is speaking through you, speaking to you through His Word, and as His Holy Spirit is working your life, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to follow God, or are you going to try to turn and just push Him out of your life? I hope you choose to stay in His presence and to stay in His mercy. Let's pray this evening. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful, uh, Lord, that you've given us examples in your word. And um, we're, we're grateful that you use men and women just like us that are here tonight, Lord. And you have a desire to use us and to work through us, Lord. And Lord, I pray that tonight that we would all have a desire to uh, to just trust in you and your will in our lives, Lord. And that we'd stay in your presence, Lord. And that we'd not turn away from you, Lord. And that we'd not get used to the world. We'd not get used to sin, Lord. And that we would just always desire to draw closer to you, Lord, and be uh, very aware of your presence in our life, Lord, and your mercy upon us. And we pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen.